Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. That's great. Man, well, I'm Pastor Kerry, pastor of Connection and Discipleship here, and I'm super glad to be with you here now, diving into God's Word. Uh, Man, we were talking about Thanksgiving earlier, and just uh, we got to sing that song to start off our worship gathering about being grateful. Lord, I am grateful. And as I think about that, and I think about being uh, together with family and for Thanksgiving, man, I love Thanksgiving because it helps, it helps remind me that we still have a lot of things that we can be thankful for. And man, I don't know about you, but I need those reminders. I need those reminders to help look around and be, okay, I can be grateful for this, and I still have this. And so Thanksgiving is great. Um, speaking of family, mine loves the outdoors. I love to get together with them and go outside. And so one summer, my mom, dad, brother, sister, and me, we all went to Lava Beds National Monument. So we're kids, we, and this place, it's amazing. There's just hundreds of caves riddled all through just underground. So they hand you a flashlight and a map and say, go. So we head down, we into this cave, and we're these little kids shining our lights around, and we start to, we start to get, you know, I don't know, starting to feel a little something, and we're, all the light down there is your light, is your flashlight, that's all you have, and it's deathly silent, and it's cold, and you start to forget how many turns you've taken, you start to forget where you came in, and things start to get a little spooky, and then one of our flashlights, I'm not kidding, one of our flashlights shines over this way and sees a raw bone sticking out of a frozen puddle in the pitch black. And we're, we just freak out. We're so scared down in this cave. And my parents just had this stroke of genius. They say, okay, let's sing. Let's sing. And so all of us kids are shining our lights around the dark and we're singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And walking around, we're just so scared. And we're singing this song all the way until we can find some opening somewhere to cram, crawl back into the sunlight. Oh, man, and I'll always remember just how dark and scary it was down there. And how wonderful it was to sing that song to pick our spirits back up before we could get back out into the sunlight. Man. So I know not a lot of us are literally stuck down in dark caves these days, but what darkness are you facing now? Or maybe an easier way to say it would be, what are you afraid of? Sometimes it's hard to, to think about that. And, you know, we, we push those things down, but we need to think, well, you know, There are a lot of scary things going on in the world right now. Are we afraid about our company, our job, our kids, our family, our health, our marriage? How do we get through those fears? How do we overcome fear when it just is so present? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to learn from the experience of one man and his people in God's Word. And we're going to dive in specifically to the Old Testament. So if you're able, I encourage you, grab a Bible, jump in, and we're going to be opening it up to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. So um, the awesome thing about watching online is that you can go grab a Bible in your house somewhere or pull one up on your phone or a separate device. So go ahead and do that. You could even go and pause this video and go grab a Bible and then come back. I'd encourage you to do so. Follow along God's word with us. Go straight to the source here. 
And um, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. And if you'd also like some extra resources, some reflections, some other resources, some other passages to consider, I'd really encourage you to check out neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive. You'll also see how in... Uh, there's, we've had this uh, scan me code, this QR code, and that'll lead you to Revive and all those resources too, as well as any resources you need as a guest. So go ahead and let that be a resource to you. Lastly, if you're able, even if you're watching this from home or maybe at work or out and out and about, I'd encourage you to take a break with me and pause and let's stand so we can pray and uh, welcome God into this time. So if you would with me, go ahead and stand and let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are a big, amazing God. And thank you for carving out this time for us to be together in this way and diving into your word. God, thank you for the scripture that you've given us, that we don't have to grope around in the dark and just wonder who God is. Lord, you've told us who you are and you've told us how to get through life. And we pray that we would learn some great things from you this morning. Open our eyes, open our ears so we can hear and see what it is your spirit would like to say to our hearts this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let's dive into scripture here. Our first scene opens up in Isaiah 7, 1, a bit before 700 BC. And Isaiah starts writing this in verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So as you can see, we're going to throw a chart up on the screen. King Ahaz was the 11th king of Judah. He's in this long dynasty line of kings that all descended from King David, like the warrior founder of Israel. And so King Ahaz is uh, partway through this history, and, and he's the king. So as you can imagine, it can be great being on top. He's having a good time of it. He's like, hey, I'm king. And sometimes life is like that. I, I think uh, I talked to some friends who uh, were reflecting on the shelter-in-place period back in April, and they were saying, we liked it. And I was like, come again? What? <laughs> They're like, yeah. We stayed in our pajamas. We worked from home, FaceTimed with friends. We got everything delivered straight to our door, our food, our goods, Amazon Prime. It was awesome. And I'm thinking... Man, that was not my experience. <laughs> I, would, I hated it. It was so isolating. But they're like, hey, life's good. We don't have any, we don't have to go out. So sometimes we can feel like life's going great. Ahaz could have felt that way too, thinking I'm the king. But for King Ahaz, things didn't stay that way. Next, in the second half of verse one, Isaiah continues. Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. So darkness has come. You'll see in a map on the screen, too, how these two ancient nations, Syria and Israel, um, they were north of the kingdom of Judah, and they had teamed up together. They just won some battles against Ahaz's armies, and now it's time to take the capital, Jerusalem. So in verse 2, Isaiah records, when the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. I don't know about you guys, but did you look outside on Thanksgiving night? It was really windy. <laughs> did you see any trees blowing around in the wind? Man, that is what it's like for Ahaz and the house of David. This is like saying the White House or like I, 
basically Ahaz and his cabinet and all his leaders. Their knees are knocking and they're freaked out because there's nations coming to siege the capital. So, have you ever had a situation suddenly turn on you like that? Like, say you've hired some more people and things are looking great with your company and then the pandemic hits and the economy slows down. Or maybe you went on this awesome vacation with your friends or your family and then you come back home and, oh, someone broke into your house. Man, King Ahaz and Judah, they are in a tight spot here. But then, God. Verse three, and the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sheer Yeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Okay, let's just stop a moment. Did you catch that name? Sheer Yeshub? <laughs> Parents, just log that away for your next kid. That's a, man, you're going to want that baby name for sure. Um, Man, what is that all about? So what Isaiah did is he would go ahead and he would name different kids throughout his book, throughout his ministry, and they were each special signs. Uh, They had these prophetic names that meant something meaningful about what was going to happen in the future. So Sheer Yeshub, his son, uh, means a remnant shall return. So Isaiah and his son, Sheer Yeshub, meet Ahaz the king, there at this conduit. Uh, What's going on there? King Ahaz is actually looking at Jerusalem's water supply. He's checking it out to be like, man, we're about to have this siege happen and I need to check out our defenses and what's going on. So there's Isaiah with his son talking to King Ahaz and he's saying, hey, I've got a message from God because I'm Isaiah, I'm a prophet, I'm God's spokesperson. Here's what I want to say to you. Well, why? Why did he show up there? What did he have to say? Well, here it is. I've asked uh, Carrie Couch, one of our life group leaders, uh, to read Isaiah 7, 4 through 9 for us. So take it away, Carrie. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of reason and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is reason. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in the faith, you will not be firm at all. Thank you, Carrie. Awesome. Did you see in this passage how caring God is? You see, he doesn't wait for King Ahaz to come begging for help and advice, and he initiates, he goes to King Ahaz with Isaiah and delivers this message. And he says a couple things. One, he recognizes and he hears Ahaz that this is a dangerous situation. He says, yeah, this is scary. I admit that. But then two, God gives King Ahaz a reality check. He says, hey, King, uh, what is King Rezin, um, who's over Syria, what does he have control over? Just Syria, that's it. King Pekah of Israel, what does he have control over? Just Israel. 
that power is so pitifully small compared to the God of the universe. So God reminds King Ahaz of that. And then he says a third thing. He says, it shall not stand. He said, these kings are like leftovers from a dying bonfire. Their campaign against Jerusalem, it's not going to happen. So this is really good news for King Ahaz to hear. Next, he wraps it all up with this phrase that Carrie Couch read for us here in verse 9. If you are not firm in the faith, you will not be firm at all. And God is saying, hey, King Ahaz, if you can't trust me now for yourself, for the future of Judah, you'll never feel secure. You'll never be assured. You'll never feel at peace. If you want to overcome your fear, trust in me. So God, is, God isn't saying, hey, have faith, like have a cult-like brainwashed blind faith in me. He's saying, no, bring your doubts, bring your concerns, but let's have a relationship of trust. And the best relationships are built on a mutual trust. This is what God is saying to King Ahaz. But he doesn't stop there. He goes even further to help out this king. So Isaiah recalls in verse 10, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, verse 11, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. So look again at how patient God is. He's listened to Ahaz. He's uh, helped bring him some hope. He's helped explain some things to him. And now he's even helping saying, hey, Ahaz, you want a sign of how trustworthy I am? Ask anything. I'd love to show you something that will help demonstrate how you can trust me. So he's going out of his way so much, God is, to help King Ahaz. How does King Ahaz respond? Verse 12, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. So King Ahaz is actually quoting from scripture here, Deuteronomy 6, 16, and that says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's quoting scripture, but Deuteronomy 6, 16 is actually about obeying God. It's not about refusing signs that God is offering to give you out of his kindness. So King Ahaz is actually misquoting scripture here. He's doing it to have this false piety. Oh, I won't test the Lord. But the reason why he's saying that is because he already has a handout. He's already made plans to refuse God's offer. How do we know that? Second Kings chapter 16, we know that Ahaz has already at this point allied himself with the massive Assyrian empire. He's hoping that they're going to protect Judah from Israel and Syria because they're so much bigger. But look at this, the king of God's people is trusting Assyria instead of trusting God. So in verse 13, God's spokesman Isaiah says this, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Back in verse 11, he had said, Your God, King Ahaz, your God. But now he says, My God. Isaiah says, Yeah, God is my God. But for you, Ahaz, you've turned your back on him. He's not your God anymore. You've chosen to walk another way. And so here we see that Ahaz has made this decision. And so Isaiah says, hey, God, God's done with your posturing, Ahaz. Don't put on this artificial piety in quoting Old Testament when you're already turning away from God. So verse 14 comes and we read the results of Ahaz's decisions. Verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will will give you a sign. 
What is that sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, she, you shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, you might recognize it. What in the world does it mean though? <laughs> what? What is Isaiah saying? Well, Emmanuel is another one of those prophetic child signs, kind of like Shear Yeshub back in verse three. A child that was gonna come that meant something for the future, that had a prophetic name. And Emmanuel, the prophetic name, is God with us. You'll see it on the screen. It's got this breakdown where it's a couple different Hebrew words that are integrated together. With us is God. So Isaiah goes on, what does Emmanuel mean? So he goes on to say, verse 15, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So this is good news. So imagine there's, there's King Ahaz next to the conduit, the water supply for Jerusalem, the capital. And here is uh, Isaiah and his son, and he's saying, hey, good news, Emmanuel, this prophetic child is coming. And as soon, before he is like 12 to 20 years old or so, those kings you fear, their nations aren't even going to exist anymore. Man, that is good news. Do you see how gracious God is? You see, Ahaz has already chosen to ally himself with Assyria instead of God. And instead of rejecting Ahaz, God turns and helps him instead. Even though Ahaz has rejected his God, God says, I am going to still deliver you from these two kings. That is so kind. How can we find peace when you're facing fear by trusting God is with us to guide us through? That's what Emmanuel means. It reminds me of when my son was younger and he would cry in the middle of the night and, you know, he's afraid of the dark or, you know, being alone or whatever. And so he would come into his room and, you know, put, put a hand on his back and say, shh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here. I wonder if that's how God was trying to comfort King Ahaz to say, yes, I recognize the danger, but yes, here's the reality. And don't worry, Emmanuel I'm here. I'm here. It's going to be okay. And so we learn as God reaches out to Ahaz and at least extends that offer, we overcome fear by trusting God is near. But the sign of Emmanuel, it doesn't stop there actually. It keeps going. So Isaiah predicted also verse 17. He says, the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since that day that Ephraim departed from Judah. What is that? Namely, the king of Assyria. And then for the next bunch of verses, verses 18 through 25, God describes what King Ahaz has chosen for his nation. He chose Assyria to rescue Judah instead of God. And so as that as often happens when we reject God or push him away, he gives us what we ask for. And so we read in 18 through 25, Judah is going to be filled with soldiers from Assyria and Egypt, like swarms of insects. There'll be so many. There's going to be, um, they're going to be shamed as, as Assyria comes in and makes them 
vassals under the heel of their own empire. Um, there's going to be so few people because of the invasion. So many people will die that the land will become depopulated. There won't be anyone to even care for all of the agricultural fields that are so fertile right now. They're just going to be abandoned and turned into thorns because there's going to be so few people left after Assyria sweeps into Judah and takes it out. Man. And so we see here that the sign of Emmanuel is two-sided. Yes, God was with his people to graciously protect Judah from Israel and Syria, the immediate threat. But God will still ultimately grant King Ahaz's wish to ally with Assyria and give him what he asked for, to be in alliance with the Assyrian Empire and all the devastating results that came with it. So we learn our decisions to trust God or not trust God, they really do matter. You see, God is with us, but our attitude makes it different. That uh, makes a difference where if God is with us, is that going to be a blessing? Are we going to perceive God being with us as a blessing? Or are we going to think of it as a curse? Our attitudes do matter. John Oswald in his commentary on Isaiah says this, whatever a man trusts in place of God, will one day turn to devour him. Now we must overcome our fear by trusting God is near. So man, sorry for a bummer of a story. What a tragedy, right? Man, everything Isaiah predicted did come true. Check out this video we're going to show on the screen here. And as you watch it, we're going to see how God did rescue uh, Judah from Syria and Israel. But then Assyria, the Assyrian Empire, comes along and it devastates and depopulates Judah too. Um, A few generations later, God's people followed in King Ahaz's uh, footsteps. And so they're still refusing to trust him. Um, That kind of pattern just keeps on going. And so we see that this succession of worldwide empires keeps going. And so we can see little Israel there just keeps getting swallowed up in these worldwide empires. And so Babylon carries off all their leaders and hundreds of years go by and God's people continue to be subjugated servants of one empire after another. So where is God? Is God still with Israel? Well, fast forward 700 years. And a new person, 700 years after King Ahaz had originally heard this Emmanuel prophecy, this new guy sits down from a different language, subjugated under a different empire, and he writes down some eyewitness accounts of what he's seen. And it is amazing. So I'm going to have Kristen Santos, one of our awesome VBS leaders, read that writings out for us. Take it away, Kristen. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Awesome. Thank you, Kristen. Man, did you see it? From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew looks back into his Old Testament scriptures, the scriptures of his people, and he says, oh, that's it. Isaiah 7, 14, that is fulfilled now in Jesus the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, who I met and walked with, and I'm his disciple, and I saw everything happen. And so he writes his gospel down, and he says, this prophecy of Emmanuel, this is its second fulfillment. This is its ultimate fulfillment. Jesus is its ultimate fulfillment. So back in King Ahaz's day, God was telling King Ahaz and, and Isaiah, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you to help, help you survive this attack from uh, Israel and from Syria. But now God is saying, now I'm with you again. And I'm not just with you like I'm supporting you or following along with you. God is literally with us in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'm not just a, Jesus is not just a symbol of God's nearness. He's God himself. He's God who is so with us. He could be seen. He could be heard. He could be touched. Man, Jesus was the new prophetic child sign like Sheer Jeshub back in Old Testament. Jesus was the new child symbol that God's people had been anticipating for centuries. God is still with us. So this is awesome news. And there's so much more we could say about Jesus, but we can't go on for hours right now. So I would encourage you, check out um, us, uh, our, our next uh, Sunday sermon coming up next week. We're going to continue talking about Jesus and Emmanuel, and it's going to be so great. So tune in, check out um, us next Sunday. It'd be great to have you back a lot. And again, if a lot of this is new to you, I'd really encourage you to go to neighborhoodchurch.com slash next step. Um, there's going to be great resources there. If you're curious about who Jesus is and you're not quite sure about who he is yet, go ahead and scan that QR code on the screen right now or go to that website. It's going to be full of resources for you to help you find the answers you need to truly experience peace this Christmas season. Lastly, if you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, uh, Pastor Mike mentioned our Advent devotionals. And again, you can tune your eyes to the screen. We've got another QR code you can scan there. And there's going to be a link to that, those devotionals that he mentioned from Biola University. They are awesome. I've read them multiple years, and I would encourage you to check those out as a great resource. If you're looking for comfort and joy this Christmas season, then spend time with Emmanuel, Jesus himself. If you have fears this season, overcome your fear by trusting God is near. So as I reflected on this passage, I was thinking, okay, Carrie, so what, what are you afraid of this week, this month? I think, I think I'm kind of the opposite of my friends who really enjoyed shelter in place uh, back in April. I, I'm afraid I'm going to lose moments with my family. I'm afraid I'm going to lose friendships. I'm afraid people will dismiss me. I'm afraid of feeling lonely. And so I have to pray, God, please help me overcome my fear by trusting 
that you are near. And I wonder what it might be like for you. What are you afraid of this season? Some of us, as we uh, you know, read the news, as we talk with our loved ones, some of us fear losing our stuff. We fear disaster or losing a job or taxes or whatever. Um, and so sometimes that can cause us, like Ahaz, to look for other solutions. We worship security. Or we fear losing our comfort, and so we idolize health. Or we're afraid of losing power. We're afraid of seeing our enemies gain leverage in society and us losing power. And so we, we worship political parties or movements or other people or leaders to try to grasp at whatever power we can still get. Some of us are afraid and we fear losing our freedoms. We idolize our liberty at the cost of compassion and harmony. God's word in Isaiah 7 says, don't, let's not make the same mistake King Ahaz did. Let's not trust in other things, but trust in God. God who can give us peace as we know that he is with us. And especially as we draw near to his son, Jesus Christ. Overcome your fear by trusting that God is near. And I'd invite you to pray with me as we close up our time, if you would. God, you are so powerful and you're also so patient with us. God, we admit that there are fears. When we look deep down, there are fears inside us. And so, Lord, as the worship team comes up and we're going to respond in song, um, we confess that sometimes we look towards other solutions than you. Lord, forgive us. And God, at the same time, we pray that you would give us courage to trust you. You've always been faithful. Help us to trust you now, that we will overcome our fear by knowing and trusting that you are near. God, we thank you for your closeness and your nearness. Amen.